Input. Output. Hi, this is Input Output, and I'm your host, Mark Yarm. Today on the Input Output podcast, we've got stories that should delight gamers and enrage social media users. When we started this journey in 2016, we set the goal of bringing transformative gaming experiences to all gamers across the globe. Gamers have different priorities and play styles, but we all want to have the same great gaming experience with the same catalog of next generation games that we can play with our friends regardless of which device we choose to play on. To deliver on our ambitions, we knew we needed to build two consoles with similar next-gen capabilities at a differentiated price point. Microsoft's next flagship console, the Xbox Series X, will launch November 10th and retail for $499. The smaller, less powerful Series S will retail for $299. In addition, Microsoft will offer both the Series X and the Series S for a monthly fee. Here are InputMag.com editor Ryan Houlihan and editor-in-chief Joshua Topolsky discussing why Sony, which is releasing the PlayStation 5, should be worried. This week, we got a look at the Xbox Series S, which is the lower and cheaper model uh, of Microsoft's new next-gen consoles. Yes. Um, and we also got the price and the release date for the Xbox Series X and a bunch of new details, including uh, that Microsoft's subscription video game service, uh, Game Pass, has added a bunch of titles from EA Play, which will come like bundled in with it. So now Game Pass has like almost 200 games you get, like high quality games you get for $15 a month. Or if you buy the Series S, which is $300 retail on a financing plan, it's $25 a month for two years, but you get Xbox Live Gold and Game Pass baked into it. So it's like an insane deal. That's like Hulu and Disney Plus uh, every month, but you get an Xbox, a next-gen Xbox, and all the games that Microsoft comes out with for it and EA's games. That's like a crazy value. So explain to me, is the Xbox Pass or Game Pass, whatever they're calling it, it, is it all streaming? Do you download the games? What is the, is it a combination? You can get the games on your PC downloaded. You can get them on your Xbox downloaded, or you can stream them from a browser or a mobile device, uh, Android phones or tablets. Uh, Currently, Apple blocks it on iOS but you can play them through the cloud. You can download them. They're basically like, play it anywhere. Like Microsoft's entire strategy for this console generation is not to sell you the box. Like the the actual box itself is very nice. It has like really strong features. The graphics are gorgeous. The controller's great. But what they're really selling you is on Game Pass, which is thinking of games as more of an ongoing subscription service like Netflix thinks of video and TV. And to that end, Microsoft doesn't care how you play them. You can download them. You can play them on older Xboxes, like Game Pass games are available on Xbox One devices. You can stream them in high quality, like through xCloud, which is their program that like it basically plays it on a server somewhere on real Xbox hardware and yeah. then just serves it up to you. Um, and it's, it's surprisingly robust and responsive. I think their big. I think their biggest battle is getting people to understand this. I think, to be honest with you, it's it's the messaging has to be really, really clear around this. The the thing that makes the most sense, right, is that they're saying like, get the console 
and the service for X amount of dollars a month. Because that's basically what they're doing, 25 right? bucks. And I think that the, the way that I think they bridge that education gap isn't just like doing ads and explaining it to people in YouTube videos and articles, uh, which is like all the normal methods. But I do think they're helped by the fact that it's the holiday season. Parents are cash strapped. Their kids want a new console. And either at the point of purchase, someone explains to them like this one's $300 and it's a next generation console. And the PlayStation is X amount where we're, we're guessing it's going to be 500 or $600, but this one's $300 or you can get it and it's $25 a month and you don't have to buy any games. And I think that that point of sale is great, but I also think kids are really savvy and online now. And I think a whole generation of like teenagers is going to get their hands on the Xbox because it's going to be something super affordable for their parents in like a format that they're used to paying, which is like a monthly subscription. Yeah. I mean, I think this is an interesting angle. It's really unique. I think the idea that they're combining this all into like a single price is it really makes sense to me. It also helps to clarify what the game pass is, which is like you get all these like free games, right? That you can play like right off the bat. And that's like included in the price of like, you're essentially paying for the console. I mean, it's like installments of paying for the console, less about like you're subscribing to this thing and it's going to cost you $35 a month, right? It's basically like, yeah, they're, essentially they're giving you two years of the game pass baked into the price of, you know, console purchase or whatever. I mean, so what does it work out to? I mean, 35 bucks a month over two years is what? So that's th- it's $35 for the series. Sorry, for the series, for the series X. X. Well, I'm looking at the one that I would get, obviously, which is the series okay. X. Because I, I love the game big time. Both of them, either that you if you pay the Series X um, $35 a month or the Series S for $25 a month, they both end up being less than if you paid for the console outright and Game Pass for two years. But you're locking yourself into paying for Game Pass for two years. Now, Game Pass is great, and the games are, are really high quality, and Microsoft has committed that all their new games will come to it. EA has committed that you'll get at least 10 hours of each new game that they come out with. What does that mean, um, 10 hours? So EA Play is a little bit more is a little bit more difficult. That EA Play has like a bunch a of games. They're like hour capping it. That sounds horrible. So they have a bunch of games that are fully unlimited. But when they're with their new titles that have just come out in the last six months or whatever, they hour cap you to ten hours. Mm. But that's just EA but stuff. But people like, like them for their sports. But it, that's games like an add on. I mean, like that's like up. that's like an add on to basically. It's like oh, a nice. Yeah, to that's have. just a free bonus. Yeah. yeah. But so essentially, you get all of that. Um, with Game Pass, and it ends up working out to be cheaper. And if you think about it, like you'd be spending sixty dollars on one game, whereas it's fifteen dollars a month. I mean, I think or twenty five with the console, and you get all the games. I mean, I think this is smart right now, given how many people are out of work or only working part time, or you know, only who have had salary reductions. Like, I think this is a thing around the holidays. There's going to be a question of like, you know, the PS Five is going to be released, and it's going to be five hundred bucks. Plus games, plus, right. you know, right. whatever other accessories. This is like, hey, you know what? You can have a brand new high-end Xbox under the Christmas tree for 25 bucks a month. It's like all you're, all you're really saying is like, it's like one expensive lunch a month, you know? I mean, it, it's pretty wild when you start getting into the math because PlayStation, you still have to buy PlayStation's online service. You still have to pay for each individual game or like you have to start paying for their PlayStation Now subscription, which they do offer, but PlayStation Now is a, like way worse games and their streaming service doesn't really work. And very few of the games, like I think now some of the games are installable on the console. It's just like a mess. And and when you, part of the Xbox strategy is 
all the games that were on Xbox One now come to the Xbox, the next generation Xbox, the Series S and the Series X. But a bunch of those games are also getting upgrades. So Did- they're getting graphical improvements and they're getting load times bumped. Um, and that's free. That's, does, that's their smart delivery service. That's free. Does the Xbox uh, Game Pass that is included in that price for the console include the PC stuff as well? Yes. So it's the full thing. It's the full like enchilada. See, that to me is very interesting. I mean, that's very attractive. I have to say, like, again, I mean, I've been, I mean, I, I tweeted about this. I've been playing. I've been gaming, and I just talked about it. I've been gaming mostly on my PC, and I don't feel the need necessarily right now to upgrade to next-gen because I feel like I'm already playing next-gen in a lot of ways. But I will say I do think these consoles are going to perform better than probably the setup I have. Like the high-end one will probably perform better than the setup that I have for lots of different reasons. And the idea that all of this stuff is layered in and the idea that it is actually – it, it goes across platform – is really interesting. I mean, just and your game save sync, so you could pick yeah, it up on your PC and yeah. then go to your living room. Yeah, I mean that's really super interesting. I mean, I think that that Microsoft has gotten maybe, and maybe it's just because I'm a nerd and like, you know, I'm already like gaming on a PC. I just feel like they've tapped into something that PlayStation's gonna have a hard time emulating. Want to hear more from Ryan and Joshua? Then stay tuned for today's second story. Justice Department set to put forward a plan as soon as today to roll back uh, legal protections that online platforms have enjoyed for more than two decades. There's a lot of line here in terms of the soul of the country. The president becomes increasingly concerned that some of these platforms are perhaps violating free speech and also bias against conservatives. A group of Republican senators, including Lindsey Graham, is working to remove longstanding legal protections for social media companies. The lawmakers recently introduced the Online Freedom and Viewpoint Diversity Act with the aim of stripping protections provided by Section 230 of the Communications Decency Act. Here are InputMag.com editor Ryan Houlihan and editor-in-chief Joshua Topolsky railing against this proposed legislation. So apparently... We're all trapped in our homes and we can only work through telecommuting and the Republicans have decided to ruin the internet by trying to repeal parts of Section 230 of the Communications Decency Act, uh, which protects big tech companies from being liable for the stuff that users post on their websites. Yeah. And this comes from the triple uh, threat of Senator Lindsey Graham, Lady G, <laughs> Roger Wicker, and Marsha Blackburn. So, yeah, we might be in and for, like, a broken, crazy, we I, have a Chinese-Russian-controlled internet style. I don't I don't want I don't want to uh, be that guy, but I don't see them being able to cram this through in the next two months. I mean, how close are we to the presidential election? I mean, you know, are, are these are, are do we think that the we're going to the Senate's going to stay where it's at? But I do worry because they gutted net neutrality. They passed FOSTA and well, SESTA, which right, destroyed they had, the internet for sex workers. They had, and, they had, but they, you know that's when when the Republicans have control of the House and the Senate and the White House. They do whatever they want. 
And it, hopefully things will swing back in the other direction. I mean, I don't know what's going to happen with the election, but uh, I mean, they, they're saying it's about free speech. It's clearly just about trying to control these companies and be able to bring them to court if they someone tweets something you don't like or a YouTube video says well, it's, something it's, about a Republican it's, it's, it's that absurd. they don't like. I mean, they're, they're trying to draw this line, this parallel of saying if, you know, this site labels a piece of content a certain way, then they're taking responsibility for it. And therefore, they should take responsibility for all of it. And then, you know, the goal is to change right? The chilling effect mm-hmm. of the legislation is the goal. It's not the actual legal argument about why a company would be organized in one way or another or what this what 230 really means. It's about they want to strike fear into these companies. They want them to to basically, you know, come and bend the knee to the Republicans and say, we'll let you have free reign. See, the Republicans, what's so amazing not to get too political here, although this is obviously a very political issue, a very polarizing issue. The Republicans, their platform is a platform of misinformation and low information and misdirection and outright lies, right? I mean, there's a reason why several, not several, like I think it may be dozens of new politicians that are going to be competing for seats in the House and elsewhere are QAnon conspiracy theorists, right? Because the platform is a platform of make-believe. You have to believe in just utter insanity to accept the Republicans' version of humanity. You know, Trump had this tweet today about about how the suburbs will be, you know, engulfed by anarchists and low-income housing. It's like that's a fantasy version of reality. It's not real. And like in order for the Republicans to thrive and exist, they have to keep lying to the constituents, to their constituents. They have to keep lying to the population, right? They have to tell them that if you, if your neighbor gets something, you can't have something. Or, you know, if we let immigrants into the country, then you won't have a job. They have to like create this fantasy version of reality that keeps people voting for them. And it's really like fear driven. They want to be able to spread that fear and those lies on every platform. And they don't want the platforms or anybody else to ever push back. So this whole thing is about getting a free pass to go and spread lies. And the thing that they're reacting to, this would never even have come up if they didn't slap, if Twitter didn't slap a little notice on a tweet from Trump that said, hey, this is fake, or get more information about this here. They see the danger of platforms taking responsibility for telling their audiences what is actually fake and what is real. You know, the reason why the Republicans have a fake news so much is because it's projection, right? They are the generators of fake news. They are in the business of generating fake news. It is the only thing their platform has. They're not fiscally conservative. They're not even really uh, pro-military anymore. If you think the Republicans are pro-military, look at who they elected as the president, okay? Somebody who absolutely denigrates the military at every turn. They're not hawkish in the sense that they're not like, let's make the military strong. They're like, let's, you know, make the military our punching bag. And, and, and what are they, family values? I mean, these are people who the president, the Republican Who's separating president, separating families at the border. They're separating families at the border. They're 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 letting they're letting literal babies being having them handed over to strangers to be taken care of by strangers who are 10, 12, 13 years old to be taken care of at the border because they don't have their parents anymore because we've separated them from their parents, two-year-olds. This is real, by the way. And also their president is a serial sexual abuser and harasser, has cheated on his wife in public. We have evidence that he not only cheated on his wife, but paid off. He married one of his mistresses. He married a mistress, but also paid off a porn star who he had sex with while he was married. And it's like, 
So, so what are they the party of? They're the party of fear, uncertainty, and doubt. And in order to control the message around fear, uncertainty, and doubt, they have to have control of the platforms. And so this is all just a desperate attempt for them to not about support free speech. What they're saying is support lies. They're saying support misinformation, support uh, fake news, support the things that keep us in power, that keep a population in the dark, which is fear and lies and uncertainty and doubt. They are the FUD fucking party. And so this legislation they want to put forth is all about maintaining that and, and growing that. You know, they can't win elections fair and square. They know that. That's why they gerrymander. Trump knows if people can vote by mail, more people are going to vote Democrat. That's why he wants to sow fear and doubt and uncertainty about it. I mean, they are the party of bullshit. They are the party of a smokescreen. And so I'm not saying Democrats are all perfect. They're certainly not. I'm not saying the Democrats never say shit that isn't true or have policies that are bad for people. But I think by and large, they certainly are not as mired in a conspiracy version of reality as the Republicans are at the complete and total and the complete and total point of that perspective on reality is is to keep people controlled and beaten down and to keep stealing money from them. And that's what they do. And that's what they've been doing. And that's what we've seen for the last three and a half years. So anyhow, so on this on this 230 legislation, I mean, it's really just a product of a very diseased political party in this country. And they need I'm not saying that the platform shouldn't be responsible for things. I think they actually should take a lot more responsibility. I mean, they should be regulated by responsible people in the government. And I when I say regulated, I mean they should not be allowed to get so big that they create a monopoly. They should not be allowed to dominate their competition by just buying up their competition. They should not be able to be unregulated and allow any kind of speech on their platforms. I think there does need to be some like rules and some regulations and some boundaries, but that needs to be arrived at through, you know, intelligent regulation and legislation based on many, many decades of precedent for how you deal with monopolistic companies and how you deal with the you know transmission of information. It is not about taking away their ability to allow people to post on their platform and not be responsible for it because it's a nightmare. Anyhow, I'm done with my rant, my, my expletive laden rant, which would never fly in a, in a world where this legislation was passed. You can follow Ryan on Twitter at Ryan Houlihan and Joshua at Joshua Topolsky. I am at Mark Yarm. For more news from the world of technology and culture, visit InputMag.com. You can click on the links in the show notes for the stories we discussed today. New episodes of Input Output are released three times a week. If you enjoyed what you heard, please give us a rating and review on iTunes. You can find Input Output on your smart speaker or whichever podcast app you use. Thanks for listening. <laughs>